In a new study from Juniper Research, it's been found that retailers are set to lose some 130 billion in digital card not present transaction fraud between 2018 and 2023. Highlighted the increasingly complex approaches by fraudsters alongside retailers inertia and adapting to new fraud prevention requirements would be key factors behind the increases in fraud transaction value. I'm Nick Holland with Information Security Media Group. I'm joined today by Stefan Sorrell, who's Principal Analyst with Juniper Research out of the UK and the author of the study. So welcome, Stefan. Hi, Nick. Pleasure to be on. So, Stefan, $130 billion is a significant amount of money. But uh, we're talking about, obviously, very large transaction volumes here as well. So what are we looking at in terms of maybe the, the compound annual growth rate for that period? And then, you know, is, is that accelerating compared to where we are to date? So is, is that fraud getting worse? We're looking at the um, the year-over-year values. I mean, the compound annual growth of, of this uh, CNP or card not present fraud is growing at um, roughly 14.5% every year, which is uh, certainly accelerating uh, as we look at, at the market each year. I mean, there are several factors uh, contributing it. For example, the US has moved over to the EMV standard, so that's protecting the card present space. And in turn, fraudsters are looking at the online space now. In other markets, the e-commerce space is developing, and this has in turn created a, an opportunity for, for fraudsters to take advantage of. So it is growing at a pace that is outpacing just the overall growth in card not present transactions then? Yes, I would say so, yeah. Okay. So what are the factors behind this increase? I suppose the, the, the main one is is the fact that fraudsters are, are now becoming a lot more complex in their approaches. And, and I think essentially uh, e-commerce retailers are not really prepared for what's happening right now. I mean, on the one hand, you've got a large amount of organized crime uh, where fraudsters are using very complex techniques, a cross-channel fraud targeting, first of all, perhaps the call center, uh, various the mobile channel uh, and various other elements of the victim in order to then gain sensitive information, which they can then use to effectively steal money. On the other hand, the e-commerce markets or, or merchants themselves are, from a general perspective, are, are reluctant to, to spend quite high levels of, of revenue in preventing that fraud because they view fraud uh, as, in many areas, something that is just part of doing business. Whereas in actual fact, if they apply a multi-layered fraud solution, then that not only offers the opportunity to reduce the amount of fraud taking place, but will also increase the, the amount of revenue they're receiving. I mean, at the moment, if they have a simple fraud solution that just will block any suspicious transaction, a lot of those transactions will be false positives, for example. So if they're just looking at fraud at the point of transaction, that's become ineffective, essentially. Or not to say ineffective, but far less effective than it, than it was a few years ago. Uh, right now, it's all about identifying who the genuine customers are before they've even attempted any fraud. So in that way, that you can help prevent fraud against both this organized crime, uh, where multi, multi-channel fraud is taking place, as well as more traditional fraud mechanisms where identity may be stolen or synthetic ID, identity may be used. So, I mean, there's, there's obviously a lot of industry focus on things like the EMV 3D Secure, you know, the, the second version of 3D Secure that is designed to be far less cumbersome and much more sort of in parallel with a retail transaction occurring. Is, is that going to really make a dent in any of this at all? It will, yes. But the, the, the problem with the, the latest protocol is that it's been slow to take off. I mean, EMV itself was slow to um, 
to get the certification process going. That's only really happened in the latter half of last year. So we're not going to see any rollout of the new protocol um, until later on this year itself. Meanwhile, um, while uh, over here in Europe, there's traditionally been a, a risk-based approach towards 3D Secure where a challenge was only issued where the system deemed the transaction as high risk. Uh, that's not been the case in somewhere like, for example, North America, where if merchants were uh, implementing it, then it was either on or off. And in a market like that, if you're introducing that kind of friction in an e-commerce space, then you're, you're losing revenue because customers will just abandon the basket. So in turn, merchants have shied away from implementation of the protocol. That means that the issues that were there with the previous protocol will still linger on in the minds of those merchants who may be aware of the newer protocol. So in, in some ways, the brand of 3D, 3D Secure could be said to be tainted, and that will take some time to, to be overcome. By, certainly by, if a large merchant, for example, takes on the new protocol and is able to, to demonstrate its benefits to the wider market, that will help accelerate it. But certainly across the, the wider global market that we're looking at, there have been some teething issues, as I've mentioned, with the brand itself, as well as with the costs involved. Um, I mean, smaller merchants may certainly not be capable at this point of collecting the, the data points that are now required. So on the merchant side, as well as the issuer side, to create that risk model. So that's going to cost them time and money to, to get a handle on, which in turn will also help slow the pace of, of, of adoption. Yeah, it's interesting, actually, that, you know, you, you talk about sort of the, the stigma attached to 3D security. It's, it's surprising they didn't just rebrand it, considering that it has this connotation of something that causes cart abandonment from something that was going on maybe 15 years ago or, or more. Yeah, I mean, perhaps it should have been. But I think essentially, uh, I mean, it will just essentially take some time before we looking at a uh, greater adoption of the new protocol. I mean, um, the uh, the idea of this perception is something that's present across other aspects of the e-commerce market as well, particularly with uh, sort of more general fraud detection and prevention solutions, where e-commerce merchants may view them as high cost rather than actual an actual whole benefit to their business. Right, and, and that's, that hits on a very key point, which is obviously that budgets are limited in any sort of security scenario, and you have to pick your battles wisely. Mm. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there is no doubt that uh, fraud prevention is a relatively costly business for, for merchants, but they, there must be a recognition that uh, it's not simply about reducing the number of fraudulent transactions, but it's also about creating a better experience for the, for the consumer, which in turn will lead to, to greater loyalty, while the, I mean, simply reducing the number of false positives is going to increase revenue for the merchants themselves. I mean, in our latest research, we, we have constructed a, a model that looks at this, and where greatest proportion of revenue is spent on fraud prevention, those factors do lead to uh, an actual gain in, in gross revenues. So that's a perception on the merchant side, while on the fraud prevention side of things, uh, there also needs to be some kind of action to promote the benefits of these solutions. I mean, it's, as I said, it's not just about preventing fraud, but it's about presenting a, a better experience uh, as a whole for the consumer and opening new revenue opportunities that way. Yeah, it's interesting. There's always that trade-off between user experience and 
security in that, again, security has been typically or sort of inherently cumbersome in some way. And um, UX is, is absolutely critical or, or people's attention span is lost and they'll move on. Yeah, I mean, this is why, I mean, for example, you, this, it, there needs to be an emphasis on, uh, on moving away from simple risk, uh, transaction risk approach towards uh, an analysis of, of what's going on throughout the whole session, uh, whether it's uh, through an online or a mobile channel or over the phone or so on. The behavior of uh, whoever is using the device, the app and so on, that is going to become increasingly important as, as we move forward. To be able to positively identify a bona fide customer uh, or consumer, shall I say, before any transaction has been requested, will not only reduce the, the number of step-up challenges that are required, but will reduce the amount of fraud, particularly where, for example, synthetic identity is growing at a, at a tremendous pace, both in North America and, and to a lesser extent across the, the, uh, the globe, where traditional fraud solutions are unable to really get a handle on it. So uh, as we move towards an approach that verifies the consumer as genuine and their identity as genuine before any transaction has been requested. I mean, that will be a, a tremendous boon to the industry. But I think, you know, there is an inertia that needs to be overcome before that will happen. Very good. Well, Stefan, thanks very much for your time. That was Stefan Sorrell, who's the Principal Analyst for the Juniper Research. And for Information Security Media Group, I'm Nick Holland.